White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Right after, grand slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. After a glorious and victorious Sunday afternoon game, the White Sox beat the Royals 5-2 to two in 10 innings. Chris Tannehill, how are you doing? Me and Bill, we're doing just fine. The White Sox win. Print the banner. Line up the parade. Michigan Avenue on the Studge Turkle Bridge, Division Street. Let's go. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by rockauto.com. You know, Labor Day's coming. If you're thinking about taking one last road trip with the family or maybe just by yourself before you're getting back to work or school, you're going to want to make sure that your automobile is running in tip-top shape. And with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models of cars, it's impossible to stock all the parts your car will need in a traditional auto parts store. Why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions, is your car an LX or is it an EX, Uh, and wait for the counter person to order the parts on their computer, choosing only the brands his warehouse happens to carry? Well, you've got a computer. You've got one right in your phone, silly, and you have access to rockauto.com right there in your pocket. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Just go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. You know, you're taking that road trip before Labor Day and your kid spills apple juice all over your carpet. Oh, God, time to replace that. But go to rockauto.com. It's right there for you. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks. And it's delivered directly to your door. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts in a big box auto parts store? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And do us this favor, won't you? Write Locked On in their How'd You Hear About Us box so they know that Locked On White Sox sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, so the Sox victorious today, 5-2 to two over the Kansas City Royals. Let's get Tim Anderson's post-game comments live. He, he stuck around for us to do a post-game commentary on Kansas City Royals. Well, I just want to walk from every time for him. Uh, not every time. They took two out of three yesterday's game. I'm so glad that our schedule didn't have us recording yesterday because that's like – first of all, all these games with the Royals seem they they way too long. Mm-hmm. Guys, you know – trying to grind out at bats on both sides which is normally fine but when it's against the royals it was just a tense weekend all the way around of course friday they walked it off and today they walk it off once again but let's start with dane dunning who uh, showed out today uh, and he pitched a no hitter <laughs> at u.s cellular at guaranteed rate field what do you think of dane dunning today herb he goes five innings no hits no runs one walk, seven strikeouts. He lowers his ERA on the season to a nice little 2.89. What'd you think of old Dane? He was great. I'm a big time Dane Dunning guy. As people were talking this week about, you know, maybe uh, entertaining trades, which we'll get into, I was like, no, 
I want Dane Dunning. I think Dane Dunning is going to be a stud. And yeah, he doesn't throw the high 90s fastball. He's mid-90s. Today he was low-90s fastball, but pinpoint control. He knows where the ball is going. His command of the, the balls he's throwing is is excellent. He was getting people, you know, a lot of check swing strikeouts on that physical of uh, that uh slider that he was throwing that was looking like it was going middle of the plate and then it just fall off the table. It was so great. Dane Dunning's my guy. I would be very sad if they decided to go away from him or even not keep him in the rotation because everything you've seen from Dane Dunning so far has shown you that he has promise and that he knows what he's doing out there in the ball on the uh, bump. You know, he doesn't have the length as yet. That can be from the Tommy John surgery and not being properly stretched out as yet. But give that man the ball every fifth day and take it away from Ronaldo if you need to. Because every time, the two times we've seen him, the kid does what he needs to do and gave the team an opportunity to win today with no hits, as you said. And seven strikeouts, second time in a row he's done this. He's great. Yeah, what surprised me most about Dane Dunning so far in his limited outings in a White Sox uniform was that you know whenever I'd watch him, I didn't watch him a ton of times when – I had the MILB TV package when when he was down in the lower levels, but I would check in on Dane Dunning once in a while. And before he got hurt, my issue with him is like I always thought he was a guy that just had difficulties getting the ball over the plate and throwing strikes, but he has been pounding the strike zone and it, not just a, a fastball guy either. Uh, baseball Savant has him, you know, throwing sinkers today. He's mixing it in with sliders and of course the four seam fastball, but also, you know, throwing change ups and they, they have one here, a three pitches, a knuckle curve, which is like a change up sort of slider type deal, I'm guessing. Uh but yeah, he the way he mixes up the pitches, keeping hitters off balance, you know, you, you have to love what you see and it's just it was unfortunate that they had to pull him so early today because he's still rehabbing, you know, getting the strength back from Tommy John. But so he goes four innings last time, I believe. Today he goes five, mm-hmm. or at least maybe he went five last time. But he started to 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 you know fall off the table a little bit after four. Today he goes five. Maybe next time he can get you in the six a little bit. And you gotta like what you see. I I am not ready to 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 part with Dane Dunning here. Like if you want to have what the Indians have in sustainable starting pitching, or you're just like you know every night out you got a, you got a guy a homegrown talent out there for you that that's you don't get that by trading away guys like Dane Dunning but I've been really impressed so far of what I've seen from him and I hope to see some more of it here uh, you know I don't know if it'll be five days out in the rotation with the off days or whatever but get him some rest and get him back up to to 100% strength by the end of the year and kind of know what you have before you go into 2021 that way before you hit the free agent market you'll know really where your needs lie so yeah very impressed by Dane Dunning today it's it's exciting whenever he's out there man just you know it does remind me of Kopech a little bit just coming out pounding the strike zone throwing strikes and being effective and keeping hitters off balance so Salute Dane Dunning, man. Look, it looks like Sox have something good in Dane Dunning. All right, so but there was other things that happened in this game that were interesting. I never felt good about this game on Sunday afternoon at any point, really. The Sox were holding on to a two nothing lead all day, and then of course our guy, Whit Merrifield, a big contributor once again today. He went two for four, but he had the home run and both RBI for the Royals, but. I never felt good about this game, and I was ready to first guess this move when they brought in Steve Ciszek. But here, here's the thing. They brought in Steve Ciszek to be this guy in the offseason, and so far he hasn't really earned that reputation. And I know 
they're, they're a little bit taxed down there and you're just trying to find something that'll stick. And But I, I don't know. I was first guessing the shit out of this move, bringing in Steve, she- Steve Ciszek. What about you, Herb? Oh, yeah. I was like, this game is tight. We need to have people who are going to close this game out. So we saw that Matt Foster is brought in the game at the end of the game. So he was available. Cody Hoyer, I don't know if he had available, but he was never put up in the bullpen. So maybe a day was uh, he was uh, way well too uh, stretched out and wasn't going to be able to pitch today. But I would have rather saw him pitch. And we know what Zach Birdie did the other day. But at this point, I would much rather see Zach Birdie than I would rather see C-Check. C-Check can't find it right now. And that's, you know, neither. It's not a bad thing that, you know, for him, I don't think, you know, I'm not putting it on him. He's been, you know, weathered. Joe Madden was counting on him for a lot of those innings with the Cubs. He doesn't have it. And he let a ball middle in right into Whit Merrifield's swing path. And, you know, anybody's going to hit that ball out. Whit Merrifield murdered that pitch. So I would have much rather went with somebody else there. And I don't know what Ricky sees in Steve Shishek, especially high leverage situation versus he firstly went against that McBroom guy who hits home oh, runs all okay. the damn time. All right. So the Royals, they, def- they definitely, you know, uh, Dayton Moore has a type. <laughs> um, they, white. Those guys, yeah, white. Um, mm-hmm. They look like, you know, they could be tight ends or wide receivers in the NFL. All, you know. Muscular, athletic, white guys um, with with dead eyes. <laughs> they all just look like they're vacant up uh, upstairs. But they they definitely have an arc, ar- archetype uh, when they're building the Kansas City Royals. I, I think Ryan Cordell. I think they're kicking themselves that they couldn't get a guy like Ryan Cordell out there because all these guys are they're long and you know powerful and you know Alex Gordon. We got animated again this week. He was, <laughs> oh yeah, he was excellent this week. Yeah, he he really was. Like I you know I'm still a fan of him, and it's you know. Just for his sake, you, you know, you you never want to like you know sort of throw the dirt on someone's career. But Alex Gordon has been a great player for a long time, so it's nice to see him come around. If you're a Royals fan th- th- this this weekend, but yeah, so the Royals definitely have a type. And the thing with Steve Ciszek is like, you know, they you don't see the swing and miss, you don't see the the heavy sinker. You know, he, everything that's up is not quite up enough, and you know the velocity's not quite there, and he's just not fooling anyone. Like I don't know if it's just a National League, American League thing, but it's definitely Joe Madden. You know, you know there was some wear and tear there, and he was the first one to tell you even before he came here. Steve Ciszek was that he's like, yeah, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to getting a little breather here, and you know, all I'm trying to do is rest before I sign with my next team. Like you know, it, you know, it was no mystery. But the fact that they ran him out here in a high leverage situation, I get, I get it. He's got a track record, and and Ricky. Is, he, he likes things that are uh, a sure thing, um, which we'll get to the ninth inning as well in a second here. But I, I also I like the fact that you mentioned Birdie because I think that would have been a huge look for him because Birdie's been great up until yesterday. The Saturday outing was real bad for Zach. But yes. to, to roll him out there again in a high leverage spot, I think that would have done wonders for the kid's confidence. You know, I don't know. You know, he he showed like he had problems with with the release point, with the delivery. So I don't know. I get why he would be nervous putting putting him back in there on Sunday, but that would have been nice for him to show the kid like, hey man, you know, you're you're still part of this thing, and we still need you to get outs here, you know, because there's there's still a little tax down there. So then you get to the ninth inning, and he brings in Colome. I hated that move too. Whenever you bring the closer in in the non you know save situation, I always get the get nervous about that. What about you? Yeah, and for the record, Cody Hoyer last pitched on Friday, so fresh, available, I would think, 
for that high level situation instead of Seashack. None of us can stay safe. Seashack sold seashells with the seashore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't like a closer coming in either. Like we said, we already had Matt Foster available. He could have did it. We could have had uh, it, a lot of people. We could have had like the pitchers who pitched before. Like Jimmy Cordero didn't pitch well. Evan Marshall, it was Evan Marshall again. C-Sheck sucked. And then, so you have the availability of Matt Foster, if you just want to go with a righty. You got our guy Cody Hoyer available. Zach Brody available, which I wouldn't have done. But, uh, yeah, I don't like a closer in a non-save situation. But you could say there was not going to be a save situation because after the game's tied and a home team can't get the save after eight and a half innings. So... Um, you got to use one of your best bullets, so let's use them here. I would have went with someone someone else, but it worked out, and so I know the fans are like, okay, it worked out fine, but I didn't see him being that sharp, and I would have went with somebody else, but, you know, Ricky's, you know, kind of goes with his gut or the people he thinks gets the job done. Yeah, the back of the baseball card. Yeah, instead yeah. of, okay, no one's hitting 97 that's moving, and that's what Cody Hoyer brings to the table. And Matt Foster's been a, a revelation with his changeup and his fastball combination, and he's only got touched up for uh, – the other day he got touched up a little bit. Yeah, but, but, that yeah, was but it. today, back to normal again. He only had uh, one-third of an inning pitch, but strike out the only guy he faced, and he's been rock solid. Just you know, um, just threw three fastballs, three four-seam fastballs today in his appearance, and his ERA is down to a nice cool 1.20 on the year. So then, okay, so I'm terrified whenever you're playing the Royals and you have these new extra innings rules implemented. And as soon as, you know, they said they were going to have to start Adalberto Mondese out there at second base, I'm like, oh, God, here we go again. But thank you for being a friend, Royals and Mike Matheny. They decided to go on ahead and just give you they, – they, they're gifted the runner at second base in the extra innings. And all of a sudden, they give you the gift of – trying to steal third base with nobody out there in the 10th inning. What What's he doing out there? What, what, what are they? I know it was a great throw by McCann, but come on, man. What are you doing out there? It makes zero sense. Zero sense. You are the go-ahead run. You're fast as hell. You're already in scoring position. What are you doing? They're trying to let you go to third. You know, They're like, okay, we're going to concede him. If they bunt, concede that run. Go ahead, man. We're good for it. We understand you're already here. You're fast as hell, but you're giving us outs. We'll take them. Shit. Um, I don't know if that was his call. If he has the perpetual green light or if Mike Matheny is actually the one that's saying steal third base because that makes zero sense. It's in baseball. sense, like it like unless there is a pass ball or you get a, a good jump on a pitcher that, you know, you're going to be safe at third. Cardinal rule, not the first or the third out at third base. And with that type of speed, I'm staying put. There's well, no reason to move. Maybe because he's not with the Cardinals anymore. It's, it's He doesn't follow the Cardinal rules. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but th- that was like, oh, oh, okay. I felt like the whole game changed at that point, you know, mm-hmm. be- because although the Sox offense wasn't great today, I, I felt pretty good. You know, knowing that they were going to have a runner on on second base in in the tenth inning, and ultimately, you know, that runner in particular didn't matter. You know, Jose Abreu gets up there, and they intentionally walk him. But you know, I just it was just a dumb thing. I don't think it was Matheny that made that call. 
You know, I think he's the type that played a little bit more conservatively. Maybe try to bun him over. I could see him doing that. Yeah. But Mondesi probably, you know, Jace Fry, he probably thought he had a beat on him. You know, it's not his first time seeing Jace Fry out there. I'm sure he probably thought he could get the step on him. But just, you know, props to McCann, man. Like, that was just a, that was just a, a, a laser out there that he threw in the perfect spot in the ball game and perfect area for uh, – who was who was at third base? Is that Mendick at third base? Today? It was Mendick, Mendick at third. yeah, for Mendick to catch it out there. So yeah, that was that was a hell of a play right there, man. And also, there's another thing that was wrong with him going to third. Nicky Lopez is up. Nicky Lopez is batting left-handed, so McCann has a clear lane to throw to third base, and he fired a rocket down there and got him out. So a lot of things wrong there with Adalberto Mondesi. I don't understand the thinking. But thank Jesus he was on the team. He bunted earlier in the game, was a pop bunt where they were about to threaten to score. That's at that time where the he started the inning at second base in the extra innings, I was like, I can see their run. I was like, all right, they're gonna score that guy because he's fast as hell. There's no way that that guy at second is not gonna score. That should be just fait accompli. And he gave the White Sox a, a nice gift. I felt like Nicky Lopez was gonna hit the ball to the right side of the infield. The next guy would have sack flyed him or they did a suicide squeeze. He would have scored. I would have chalked that up to the game and said, hey, we got to score anyways in the bottom of the 10th inning. So, yeah, he was a really, really dumb play. Really dumb play. And I think that game is over at that point. The way the Sox seem to be pressing, you know, didn't have many great at-bats today. Except Eloy had a great at-bat late in the game, but just, you know, couldn't come through. Um, But, yeah, just, you know, not a lot of lengthy at-bats that you saw the first two nights of the series. So you go to the uh, bottom of the 10th. Of course, you have uh, Gerard Dyson, the, the newly acquired Gerard Dyson out there at second base. And I just, just for like personal greed, I wanted to see him try to steal third base. I was like, I just, I wanted to see him get out there and see, see those wheels in action, man, because I'm so used to seeing him with the Royals and then later on with the Pirates, like, you know, stealing a bag every time you need one. I was like, even though you didn't need him to steal, I just wanted him selfishly to get out there and get to get those burners going. But uh, so after, you know, that you have a Bray, you intentionally walked. James McCann strikes out. And how are you feeling about Luis Robert going into this situation against a guy who I believe he had never faced before? Um, but the Royals bullpen, man, I give him credit. I think, you know, they said during the broadcast that they've got four or five guys down there with an ERA under three. Mm-hmm. They got some good arms. They got uh, – who's my man? Stalmount. Yeah, who looks that, like a, who looks like a barista. <laughs> He's got the ponytail going. He looks oh, like a Starbucks barista. Geez. Like, you're like, hey, man, can I just get a, a grande iced coffee? Yeah, man, absolutely, man. That, 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 that's my jam right there. Yeah, how a, you do it today, man? And here's a 95-mile-per-hour fastball on your grill. You're not going to hit it. <laughs> exactly. No, okay, no doubt, man. Have a great day, dog. Okay. Yeah, Newberry, uh, Stalmount, <laughs> Zimmer, all sub-two ERAs out there. They're filthy. Maybe they should start the game. Maybe we should do openers instead of him. Uh, the Bubich guy, I can't believe we didn't get more runs off yeah. him. We just letting him off the hook, letting him off the hook all day long. So it was a, a performance I did not like. 25 men left on base for the White Sox. It was just like this Bubich guy is not featuring a lot of stuff. And I don't know if it's deception. Like he was throwing his change up and then like a 92-mile-per-hour fastball past people. I was like, man, there must be something. He must hide the ball well or something going on because Timmy looked really bad on one Bubich, uh, Bubich, uh <laughs> pitch. And it was just a regular 2-2 or 3-2 fastball down the middle, and he couldn't see it, and he, he just flailed that and struck out. Why is Greg Holland still on the Royals? 
<laughs> if he's not on the Royals, like if he's still on the Royals come Tuesday, I don't know what they're doing there. They've, they've got a lot of great live young arms in that bullpen, like we just mentioned. But a guy that you would think would do someone some service here uh, would be Greg Holland. Like mm-hmm. he still looked pretty good when he came in today. He's not. He's got a one point one seven whip this year. Seventeen Ks in eighteen innings. Um, with a three uh, ERA, I mean, that's a nice piece for someone to add to the back of their bullpen. I mean, a group like the Cubs, hell, if they want him throwing it to the White Sox, I'll take him. <laughs> yeah. an- another right-handed arm that you can stack back there that's just a solid veteran that does the job. I would love to have Greg Holland on my bullpen, not as my closer, but a guy that's in a high leverage, sixth, seventh, eighth inning um, situation. He because he's done that done. before, right? Yeah. You know, he was setting up Wade Davis uh, earlier in that championship run. So. Yeah, I think that everybody thinks about Greg Holland because he got messed up by the Cardinals by st- signing late a couple years ago, and then them pitching him six days after he signed, and he was horrible. Then they released him, and then he had to like jump around to the Nationals, and I think he went back to the Rockies and came back to the Kansas City Royals. Eventually, signed a free agent deal, but he's had a pretty decent career, and he's still he's got a three ERA right now, and he looked good today. So Tyler Zuber replaces Greg Holland in the bottom of the tenth, and so at this point, the Sox have two runners on after the Abreu intentional walk. McCann strikes out swinging. That was a terrible at bat. James wanted to be a hero. Mm-hmm. Like he, that was a really that was a horrendous at bat. It's worse at bat I've seen him do a bad at the swing. White Sox. But I appreciate what he was doing because they had mentioned on the broadcast about how the infield was pulled in. So I know he was just trying to elevate a little bit. He was trying to get one, you know, that he could, that he could maybe get if he knew he was going to get jammed. He's, you know, just shoot one over and pull one over the uh, the shortstop's head or the third baseman's head. Just you know, dump one out there in the outfield, and that ball game's over. Of course, with uh, with Dyson on second base. So here's you know, Luis Robert comes in, two on, one out, first pitch. He's looking for slider, and he got one. And just props to Luis Robert right here for identifying and you know recognizing that he, that Zuber's going to go with the slider here. And here's what he does: Robert in the air, left field, Gordon back at the track. It is over. The Sox are in first place. Luis Robert sends him there. Five to your final score. Ninth home run of the year, he's driven in 22, and I know there's a lot of people that have kind of written him off as a rookie of the year. There's plenty left in that bat, folks, and this was a big one. Stoney always mentions that, the whole, you know, uh, the Kyle Lewis thing. Stoney must be a Lockdown White Sox podcast listener because, like, I don't hear a lot of talk really about AL Rookie of the Year. I think no one's really focused on those postseason awards now in the shortened season like this. We're the only one talking about it Mm -hmm. because we have our Lockdown Luis Robert episodes and we do the stat comparisons with him and Kyle Lewis every episode. But, yeah, I mean, Stoney has, for the past few days, has been hammering that agenda about, you know, hey – it's not over yet, folks. The rookie of the year. I, if Louis Robert continues to have moments like that, it's going to be his award to lose. Calm down, Tanny and Herb, <laughs> and let me do the open instead of Jim Tomey. <laughs> I'd love that. Um, yeah, and so I thought of that at bat. I wasn't expecting anything big from Louis Robert there. I don't know why. I, I I feel like he, you know, potential out of the wazoo. He's gonna be great, and he is pretty good right now. But he's but, not going to give you the most professional at bat in the world and like shoot one the other way or yeah. up the middle. You know, like he's he's going to be up there hacking. Like we talked about the other day, I don't think he necessarily knows exactly what he's doing. See ball, hit ball right now, and that's because he's great talent. He understands that he has a lot of pop. Like 
look at the swing. If you guys are here listening to this podcast. You've seen the swing already. Pause this podcast right now. I'll wait. Welcome back. All right. This is what I want you to do in this in in this time. Go look at that swing by Luis Robert. So easy, so effortless. He was like matching the speed of the pitch. He was just so slow, so deliberate, and he hit he barreled that shit up, and that ball went far. Right when he hit it, Norman Mazzara, if you look, if they show you the side view, Norman Mazzara yelled out. He knew it was gone immediately. And I was like, oh, that's got a chance. And now when I see the left fielder just drift back, I was like, okay, he's gone 100%. So he's just using his natural talents to be this good. Well, again, Imagine when he becomes an actual understanding baseball player that's got the science down. He's going to get there, and it might be sooner than later. He's, might be, you know, he's much better now than he was when we started this season, and the growth is just going to continue. Again, you know, he's seeing – more sliders, I think, than anyone in baseball right now. And he's still, still a, a, a positive war player. And he's still, what's, let's see, what's he at right now, Luis Robert? I mean, he's still a guy who's got the 350 OBP at least. But, he, you know, you he goes up there every time out. And he, he knows he's going to not get a fastball unless it's late in the count. And they're going to try to take advantage of him being aggressive. But it's like every time he's out there, he knows he's going to get that slider. And... To his credit, like you said, he gets around on it enough to elevate it, and it just happened to go out today. But yeah, he's he's still you know nearly a two war player, and his his OBP is still three thirty six. Okay, so it's dipped a little bit, but yeah, man. But he but he's getting the big hits in the big spots, man. And it's just it's great to see, you know, that he's he's he had the right approach there, like you said. And it's just man, it's just it's so exciting to see him up there every single time. And again, the, the, the potential is, is through the roof. Like we talked about on Friday, you know, so it's just one of those things, man. Like he, he doesn't have too many moments where he looks outmatched out there, even, even though, you know, guys are throwing junk at him most of the time, you know, but he's adjusting so far. And it's really crazy when you think about it with this 60 game season, like, you know, everything is condensed down. So you'll have a few game stretch where, yeah, you may struggle a little bit, but then you better snap back into it and you got to, you know, hone in that focus again because your team needs you, you know, and he still, he comes up in a big spot. You know, he hasn't been playing, he hasn't been hitting the ball great in the past couple weeks, but he came up there when the team needed it most and he came through. And so, yeah, Sox are in first place right now. And if you talk about the updated playoff odds for the standings right now, the Sox in first place and a first place tie with the in uh, with the Cleveland Indians. And they are at 98% chance to make the playoffs according to Fangraphs.com. It's crazy. There's, there's only a couple weeks left in this thing. It, I, I don't want to jinx it by any means, but it certainly looks like the Sox are going to be in, in the dance at the end, man. And They've got some 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 room to wiggle here. They got some moves they need to make. I think if if they want to go for it, and we'll talk about that in a second. But I, I, it's a big week you got here with the Twins the first three days of the week. But it looks like they're gonna be in the playoffs, man. And you know they, they found a way today to scratch out a win um, when they weren't playing their best ball against a team who started to pick it up a little bit, and you could see why. 
you know, the Tigers are sweeping the Twins, and the Royals gave gave the Twins some fits earlier. You know, this is the, you know they're a tough team, and they they'll they'll they got a little pop, and they'll grind out some bats on you. But the Sox found a way to take two out of three, and they should have swept them. You know, but sometimes games get away from you, and Saturday certainly did. But yeah, man, like they're gonna have to learn to win these close games, and that's what I was worried about today most of all. Is like, all right, are they, are they gonna find a way to win this game as, if, as opposed to finding a way to lose it? But that's the difference between this year and last year. And I know the people are out there. Well, they're only beating the Royals and the Tigers. They're terrible teams. Like, well, you just said it. The damn Twins don't beat the Tigers this week. The Tigers sweep them. And ask the Twins about these damn Kansas City Royals. They've been giving them everything they can handle. And the White Sox have been feasting on these bumps and eating every time they see the Tigers or the Royals. So you got to take care of your business. So firstly, you know, you know, kiss my ass for this. Is, they got the same schedule as these other people. If you're you're complaining that they're only beating bums, that doesn't make sense. They have the same damn schedule, and the t- Twins aren't doing it. And this week is very important. I know you know the the extra pressure put on the White Sox since they're now in first place, and this is the team that everybody sees them as the team that's standing in their way in first place, which they're actually in third place now. The Twins are, but ask any White Sox fan, these Twins. They're deadly, and we saw it the first series of the year. We came in with puffy chest, and, hey, we're going to take you down. And the Twins are like, hey, we're still good. Sit your ass down. And the same pitching matchups we have. We're going to have Giolito. We're going to have Keiko. We're going to have Lopez. Same three guys pitching the first series, but now we're on up there in Minnesota. See if we can get to Dick Mountain. See if we can finally get to Barrios, who hasn't been this great this year. We right. we got to him in the first game of the year, and I forgot the third guy they're throwing. They haven't, but and they haven't seen Dick Mountain yet this year. No, remember he was uh, he did not play that first series. And so. and I think they're bringing back uh, Michael Pineda. I think this is his first start of the year after some drug suspension he had or something like that. But I think this is his first start of the year too. So they got to face three guys that are up there and the White Sox murder left-handed pitching except for Bubich today because he's the best pitcher of all time apparently obviously and when we face Dick Mountain tomorrow we're gonna murder him we're gonna whoop him <laughs> we're gonna whoop him I know they're not the Royals but we're gonna whoop him now we got to find a way to beat either Barrios or Michael Pineda on those subsequent days and take two out of three from the bumps absolutely all right so before we get out of here and of course we'll we'll break down all three of the games of the twin series because that's a huge series even though we'll drop the mailbag in the morning we'll also have a post game recap for the for twins game one before the game today this was about an hour before first pitch on the south side bob nightingale tweeted the most fascinating potential trade is the discussions between division rivals cleveland and white Sox that could send mike clevenger to chicago the two teams are separated by one game in the standings of course now they're tied um, and then Ken Rosenthal sources confirm White Sox talking to Indians about Clevenger, as Bob Nightingale said. Other teams also in the mix. Cleveland needs power-hitting outfielder, but also could move Clevenger for controllable pitching and make separate deal for offense. Clevenger, two more years of control after 20. Now, I was on Twitter you know, when that news broke, obviously, and I went on ahead and I, I made an executive decision and I tweeted from the at Locked on White Sox account <laughs> saying this is us when hearing of the news and it was the side-by-side gift from Pitching Ninja of Mike Clevenger and uh, I forgot what horse it was. Uh, it was a racehorse <laughs> side-by-side with Clevenger's little, you know, his, his pre-wind-up, uh, you know, foot shuffle mechanic where it looks like it glides the hill out there. And I, I was, I'm totally on board for this. Of course... They're going to try to rob you, though. The the Indians are going to try to rob oh, yeah. you in this situation because you're a division rival. You're going to have to pay a premium, I think. 
Um, but I'm all I'm I was on board for this move, you know. And we're gonna be checking our phones while we're recording this because it looked like maybe a deal to the Padres was imminent. But then, you know, you're, you're hearing other teams are in the mix. Then all of a sudden, a mystery team came out of nowhere. And they, they've got a great offer on the table. So just before we put this thing to bed, because I don't think it's getting done tonight. Well, per you se. don't, Bob. Uh, <laughs> we've got a better offer than them. So, oh, shit, uh, Kenny Williams is here. <laughs> yeah, we got a better one. So put that out there. You, and then, so we tweeted from the account. And then you came out and said, no, that you're a, you're a hard no on this one. Uh, please explain yourself. Multiple reasons. Firstly, I don't think he's an ace. He's a really great pitcher. Really great. 30 years old. Or it's going to be 30 years old, I believe. He's really older than people think he is because he's only been in the league uh, for a couple of years. Secondly, selfish as hell. Got a player on his team who just survived leukemia, and he's like, you know what? I want to go out and have a good time in Chicago. I want to have an enjoyable time. I'm a scared all the rules that we set up to make this safe and I'm me and my homie are going to go out and do things I don't like that on my team I don't want that selfish attitude on my team thirdly we would have to send somebody that would be tormenting us for the rest of their career be it Michael Kopech Dane Dunning Nick Madrigal Vaughn any of these guys and yes they would be those type of names guys They're not getting a picture of Mike Clevenger's ilk with two years attached to his uh, deal where he's arbitration eligible for two of those two years, but pretty much cost controlled Uh, and won't be like prohibitive for anybody less than some of those names that I just mentioned, multiple of those names. So, yeah, you're not giving him they're not just getting Adam Engel for him. (laughs) They're not just, oh, yeah, Adam Ingle, yeah, bye, Mike Clevenger. No, you're going to have to, because they know that too. They're going to have to see Mike Clevenger for the next two years after that and to trade him within the division, they're going to have to have been blown away by the deal, and I don't want to see Michael Kopech sticking it up the White Sox ass for the next seven years. I'm good. Now, trade him to the Padres. I like the Padres. Got, great. He's out of the division. My, one of my favorite teams gets him. We're good for it. And they're in the lead or some mystery team. Yeah, Bob. Um, so if you want them on the White Sox. You better stay out of our business. You better stay out of White Sox business. Yes. Um, so I would love the player before this, all this nonsense happened with the Chicago thing, him and Plesek. But that really soured me on the guy. And uh, it, oh, if, see, they, if they want to, they're so willing to trade him. What I'm wondering. He's so talented. That gives me pause also. Yeah, what I'm wondering is why are they so adamant about getting rid of Clevenger? It's not like he's going to walk at the end of the year, but but not Plesak. Like that doesn't, you know, maybe it's what you, it's that right there tells you everything you need to know. Maybe they're looking for a reason to get rid of him, but why Why not both of those guys? You know, why, why are they picking one that has a track record over the other who doesn't necessarily, and, you know, the original one to go out there and, and, and make the bad decision, then turn around and blame the media after and Zach Plesak. Why are they choosing uh, Plesak over Clevenger, do you think? It- I think Clevenger, his age, he's 29 years old. And while Zach is probably a lesser pitcher than Clevenger, has done it much less. I think he just started his major league career last year. Yeah. So he's under control for longer year for more years and he's twenty five, I believe. So he'll be 
under team control for a minute now, and you would have to probably knock their socks off to get him. Not even arbitration eligible for like the next like three years. So yeah, I would I would hold on to Dan Dan Plesac. I would hold on to Zach. Plesak. I would love to hold on to Dan Plesac. He was great. He was a great major league <laughs> pitcher. So um, I wouldn't get rid of Mike Clevenger either. And that the reason why they're putting him out there makes me like, uh, did they know something I don't know? I'm trying to look to see if he ever had the Tommy John. Uh, well, yeah, he had elbow reconstruction surgery uh, in 2013. So I'm wondering if they're like, all right, this guy, you know, he's due to get hurt and he's already old. Um, but, and he's not their guy, too. They didn't draft him. They didn't right. cultivate him. So those things also make a difference. I mean, why we have guys on our team for longer than we're supposed to. Like, we give people chances, especially if you're the GM. You're like, oh, man, I drafted this guy. I like him. I know his potential, and he's going to get to this level. They acquired him for, what, Vinny Pastano, I saw there, and from the Angels. They're not – he's not their guy. And, he, yeah, while he's done well for them, he messed up twice with the going out and then the not telling people he went out yeah, and letting that, that shit just roll. That's a real ballsy move to come back after going out and being like, guys, you're being too hard on Zach Plesak. He's a good guy. He's a good teammate. Meanwhile, he was out there, you know, get, getting getting the Rona the whole time. If I get the Rona. Um, no one got the Rona, but he's out there the whole time. That was my favorite. You have to admire the balls. Like, I want a guy like that with balls like that starting a playoff game for me. Someone that would look his, his, his 24 teammates in the eye and be like, Hey guys, you guys are being way too hard on on Zach Plesac after going out with them literally the night before. I got to admire that. I, I I appreciate. It. I tip my cap. But you know what? I like the idea in theory. I think, but I'm also one of these guys who you know, I I realize that the Sox are going to have to part with a name that's that's going to hurt, and this happens all the time with teams that are that are on the rise you you fall in love with these prospects and i think socks hopefully have a little bit of a better outlook than other fan bases do because we know we've 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 had so many prospects that were trash over the years you know and they were talking about matt thornton on the on the radio broadcast today and i remember, oh, remember when they got matt thornton who was one of the top tier relievers in the american league for many years and they got it for joe borchard you know like so I, i'm i have no i'm not a prospect lover you know um but at the same time, I want to see the White Sox be competitive for at least the next five to ten years. And the only way you can do that, especially with the financial uncertainty, quote unquote, um, you know, going forward, the only way you can do that is if you if you keep, hold on to guys like Dunning, hold on to guys like Kopech. The Kopech thing is weird to me because Don Cooper was on the score after the Giolito no-hitter, and they asked him, oh, how's Michael Kopech doing? And he's like, yeah, I haven't talked to him. Uh, you know, I hope he's fine. I reached out, never heard anything back. So, But I, I know that's, you know, that's not abnormal in professional sports. If a guy's not around the team, it's not, you know, you're not around the team. You're, you know, Matt Bowen, the, uh, the former Packer and, and Washington football player, used to come on the station all the time and talk about, like, yeah, if, if you're hurt, you know, you're a ghost. If, you know, if you're at the facility at all, you're, you're not talking to people. You're basically just going in there to rehab your injuries or whatever you're doing, but you're, you're basically a ghost. So that that's gotta be what Kopech's like right now. But I, I, I'm, I have full on confidence in Kopech going forward and I hope they don't see this as, I hope they're not soured on him after what, what happened this year. And, you know, you heard a lot of reports after the fact that it wasn't necessarily about him having a, a young child on the way. It was more about him, his concerns wrapping up after having the Tommy John surgery. So 
you got to think the Sox aren't happy about that, but I hope they don't make a decision based on emotion. And I, and I hope they can see the forest through the trees and, and know next year you're going to have some studs out there competing to be in that rotation. Um, I would, you know, they would, I would love to see them make a run at Trevor Bauer just to have some depth. And then maybe you have another trade piece like for the middle of the year. Like let's say the Sox are like, you know, have a nice lead in first place in June or July of next year, and you, and you want to spin off one of these young guys for someone that helps you right away, I'm cool with that. But this year, it just seems like it's too much of a gamble for you know not enough not enough reward here because teams are going to hold your feet to the fire this season because they know that there's more teams conceivably that have a shot this year. So they're gonna you're gonna have to give up someone like you said like like Vaughn or Madrigal. And I'm just I'm just not prepared to do that this year. I don't think for a guy like Mike Clevenger. I like the idea in theory, and they do need some help. And I, and I think if the Sox got another top end starting pitcher, they could possibly be a World Series contender. But you look at it, three weeks left in this thing. How many times are you realistically going to use that third starter? Exactly. So and this um, from our guy John Morosi. Oh, JP John Paul Morosi, love him. He says that the Indians are asking for. Drew Waters from the Atlanta Braves. And Drew Waters is the number two prospect on the Atlanta Braves. So just to parallel that, the White Sox number two prospect. I mean, I think Luis Robert has graduated, yeah, but they have he, him as number one. Yeah. So the number two prospect is Andrew Vaughn. Then it's Kopech. Then it's Magical. So one of those three guys, maybe even a combination of those three guys, would have to go to the Cleveland Indians, and you would have to see those some bitches for the rest of your uh, next what six, seven years facing the White Sox, getting hits, especially Nick Magical. Yeah, we'll have to see how this one shakes out. You know, uh, tomorrow will be lots of activity uh, among teams that directly impact the White Sox, if not the White Sox. Just setting the table now before we put this one to bed and we put another great week of uh, podcast to bed. You think the White Sox are going to make a move by tomorrow? I would say no. I would say they're going to stand pat because I know Jerry's an either-or guy. He's like, okay, Rick, you're coming to me with this guy. You can have this guy, but no, in the offseason, they're going to have to be some budget cuts. They're going to have to be some things. If you want Edwin to come for, back for another year, that's going to be a tough. Giovanni Gonzalez is definitely gone. His option's gone. So you're going to have to do some dealing like you did with Nomar Mazzara to get that position filled. And if you want that right fielder in the offseason, hmm, you might have to come back to Nomar Mazzara. I don't have any money left. So yeah. type of thing, that type of either or. You can spend now or you can spend in the offseason. I'd rather have George Springer than uh, Mike Clevenger, I think. 100%. So I think that's ultimately what it comes down to because there it's it's about multiple chances, multiple bites at the apple, and sustained appearances, sustained success, sustained opportunities at the postseason. So I, I think I agree with you. I think they're they see these guys the same way that we see them. And it's their job to figure out which guys that they they're no longer in love with and guys that they feel like, okay. We may have to part with this guy, and he could come back and, and, and bite us in the ass, but that's okay by us because we feel like we're getting better uh, as a whole and, and, and getting a piece that we need. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think they'll make any any major additions salute. I think maybe they'll get um, – you know, uh, I, they may get a starting pitcher, but it's not going to be one of these guys that we're talking about here. It'll be just someone maybe to eat up some innings along the way while you're waiting to see what's going on with Carlos Rodon, who apparently is playing catch, and he's going to throw, I think, a sim game tomorrow. 
Um, but even so, you know, we'll, we'll talk about him in the next episode, in episode fifty-five, I'm sure. But yeah, it, you know, I think that I agree. I, th- I don't think they're going to make any moves that are that are considerable. Any, I don't think you're we're going to be talking about. I can't believe they gave up Andrew Vaughn come uh, come tomorrow. So we shall see. Uh, but that's about it. Um, next episode is Mailbag Monday, so we're, we're closing the bag for the week. So thank you to everyone who contributed. Uh, but if you want to get an early jump uh, next week, how can they do that, Herb? Locked on socks at gmail.com. That is locked on socks at gmail.com and send them early. Once you hear this episode, send it. And if you're listening on Monday to this episode or the mailbag Monday episode or the recap episode, send it early because those first ones we usually save up and make sure that we have those already and see at the end of the week which ones make the cut. So we've had a lot this week. So get them in early, get them in often. Make them funny, make them clever, make them suggestions if you want. There's people who I are like out it. here that are they're great. We love, people, our, we love our people. They're they're exercising their comedy bits right now, and they, we're starting to develop a what's called a rapport with our with our emailers, and I like it. You know, we're 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 getting a little identity from some of these people that hit us up every week, so I, I like it. Uh, keep them coming. So yeah, lockedonsocks at gmail That's all I got tonight, Herbie. The White Sox are winners, Take two, taking two out of the three to the Kansas City Royals. They are in first place heading into a big series in the Twin Cities tomorrow night, and we'll be breaking every single one of those games down on Locked On Sox. That is Chris Tannehill. Follow him at Chris Tannehill on Twitter. Me, Ecknerwall23. My name is Herb Lawrence, and the show is Locked On Sox at Locked On Sox, both on Twitter and Instagram. So thank you for joining us for this latest episode. And tune in tomorrow as we drop our Mailbag Monday early and also after the game, after the White Sox whoop up on Dick Mountain. Guaranteed. I guarantee. This is my third guarantee. The other two have come through. Guarantee whoop on Dick Mountain. At least five runs. Tune in to the recap about 30 minutes, 40 minutes after. Well, probably like an hour plus after. Whatever. Listen in. So for Chris Tannehill, I am Herb Lawrence. This has been a victorious first place. Locked on socks.